everyone and welcome to the new artist spotlight podcast i'm wilco wilkes and i'm origin cross thanks everyone for joining us for another episode if you've listened before you'll know that we're interviewing top talent from around the world uh, to have a chat about life music uh the universe and everything as we get to know artists from the new artist spotlight community a little better uh whether you're new to nas or whether you're an old timer just take some time to check out the website as well newartistspotlight.org where you'll find news, reviews, playlists packed with a huge selection of quality music from independent artists all over the world. And any questions or comments, uh, feel free to get in touch with myself or Origin. Yeah, we got plenty of uh, exciting guests coming on from now to the end of the year, and today's guest is no different. Um, Now, please forgive me if I have to read this list, but this man has worked with Sheik, Nile Rogers, Run DMC, and Madonna. and he's also a solo artist right now in his own right. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Nathaniel Hardy Jr. of the Nathaniel Hardy Project. Hello there. Hello there, everyone. How are you all doing out there, man? Laquan, it's nice to see you, man. Nice to see yeah, you. Yeah, you too. I'm a fan of yours, man. Ready for action, man. I'm loving it. I'm still trying to pitch that, man. So I ain't giving up on that. Hey, I appreciate it. That's 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 the one song we always keep going back to. Ready for action. I'm telling you that that's got some fire to it, man. You know, let me let me tell you something. I know I know I know you got I know you got uh, questions and stuff like that. But these music directors and program directors, man, they be acting like little chicks, man, because they are the ones who decide what gets paid and what's get played, uh, what gets played and what not get played. And I used to intern when I was in college, I used to intern at a station called WXYV 102.7 in Baltimore, Maryland. The guy who I was interning with, he's now a DJ here at WVEE 102.7 or 103, one of them, uh, 103, okay? And his name is Frank Ski. They fired this guy. He was the top DJ. And he was the reason why a lot of my songs got put out there because I would go to him when everybody else would turn me down. So it's up to what they want to hear. And a lot of times his program, they would have these meetings every Wednesday. And they, we would sit around and we would listen. And I said, man, that sounds nice. And the program director go, I don't like it. I said, well, what do you don't like about it? I just don't like it. What it is, they wasn't getting any of their record company money because Thriller was out there and CBS, Sony CBS was paying $25,000 just for a radio spot. You know what the deal is. No, No commercial costs that much, but that's their way of payola. And so they weren't getting that radio spot money. So they kicked these independent artists to the side. I got tired of that. I said, you know what? Why am I even going to college being a broadcast uh, engineer, part-time DJ 
if you guys not playing the music. And when they did play somebody's music, it was always someone that they knew. Yeah, my cousin. That's, man, that sounds like crap. He's, he's, his beats are off and blah, blah, blah. He has no melody to the track and whatever, but they were still playing. And I don't know. But right, man, it's a bit of a closed shop at times, isn't it? And um, I think that's one of the things that New Artist Spotlight gives us is the opportunity to kind of get around that closed shop. Um, so I'm familiar with your music, but for anyone who's not, um, do you want to tell us a bit about the Nathaniel Hardy Project? Okay. Daniel Hardy Project is, I'm a solo artist. That's that's what it is. And a lot of times I'm just trying to pay it for it because I enjoy it. I mean, I got to work with all the people that I wanted to work with. You know, even today I get artists hit me up and record companies hit me up because they're like, hey, are you that guy such as, yeah, yeah. How did you get my number? Oh, such and such gave it to me. And they're like, hey, we would like you to become part of our, uh, you know, maybe we can do a deal. And I'm like, no, I didn't. The last deal I had was a bad deal. So I don't want to have nothing to do with you. I'll help people else. I'll, you know, I help artists get to where they want to get to. But as far as me being a part of a record company, no, I don't even want to deal with that. You know, the A&R, which is the artist and repertoire, they're that third guy. They're that middleman between the artist and the record company. You think they're helping you out. They ain't helping you out. They loyal to the record company. So whatever you do with them, they going right back to the record company. Yeah, yeah. He don't know anything. And, and, and this is what I tell the brothers. These white boys out here, they be talking to, yeah, gee, man, such and such. They got that lingo, but they college educated. You think that they stupid. They already know you stupid because they already know the record label. They already know the business. And then the next thing you know, you're looking up there, looking all crazy in there because you're not getting paid. People don't know that you better have your publishing ready before you even deal with these people. You better have copyrights done before you deal with people. In the United States, you don't really have to have it copyrighted because once you thought and created the idea, and you put it on paper or put it on audio, it's copyrighted, but it's not registered. When you register, that keeps people to say, you know, Jaquan, I wrote Ready for Action. And they go, Ready for Action. And the next thing you know, you'd be like, no, I wrote that because I got this. Okay, so I know that I wrote it. And that's what helped me out a couple of times when people were like, man, I wrote this song. You ain't write nothing. I wrote the song. And here's the documents to prove it. Like, I don't know how you guys do in the UK, but I know it's simple. It's, it's pretty much like ours. Once you create it and you, you wrote it and, and, and sung it and everything, it's copyrighted. But I don't know if you guys do the registration portion of it. Here in the United yeah, States. you can do. It's not something that I've ever bothered with because it's quite expensive. I think it's like £90 for every um, copy. I, I don't know exactly. I've looked into it before. But, yeah, I, I don't really bother copyright anything. But it's only when it comes in a dispute that you'll need that, isn't it? Yes, yes. And mine has come in. Right now, I got a dispute with Spotify right now over one song. But... 
I've been a part of Spotify since they first started. And I didn't really want to get in the Spotify, but the people I wrote for, they said, hey, man, this is the way we get paid and everything. So they're just going to chop it up. You get your point, I get my point, and the other people get their point. Okay, so I did it. Then somewhere about 2015, 2016, 2017, a note, a little postcard I received. And it said, one of your songs, one of your copyrighted songs has been used on Spotify without uh, notice. And I clicked on and go to this link. I go to this link and it says, Spotify has been playing people's music, independent artists' music without their knowledge and they're making money off it. Hmm. So I go in there and I had to fill out some stuff. I come back the next day, boom, eight songs. Went from one song to eight songs. So I had to send in the copyright numbers. I had to send in uh, some other stuff. And it took years and years. It took three years. Then at the last minute, they, they were sending me PDF files. And I was answering them. They got, no, this is not it. I said, no, you sent me that. So this is it. I told my wife, I said, I don't think they're trying to pay me this money. So I was reaching out to some of my friends who had Spotify, and they're like, no, I didn't hear anything about it because you ain't have copyrighted material. So what happened was at the last day, it was the percentage. How much is this? I'm putting 200% because I'm the author and the composer. The author is the person who does the lyrics. The composer is the person who does the music. I'm both. No producers, it's just Solomon Joe, so only me. So what happened was uh, I sent it and they came back and they said, yeah, it's done. About six months later, I walk up to my mailbox. I'm coming home from work. I go to the mailbox. I never tear up mail. I open it up on the side because these things that look like checks are usually checks. So what happened? I open it up and I say, hey, baby. I got a check from Spotify. She said, what is it about, $10? I said, no, it's $3,000. She's like, what? Mm -hmm. There you go. She's like, wow. And my wife is from Canada. And I've been doing this way before I know her. And she's like, you're the only person that can get a check in the mail, in an email, on your bank. I said, because this is what I, I do. So I got that. Then something came up and it says, hey, if you were a person who entered into that agreement with Spotify, what will happen is you will continue to receive funds because Spotify has to pay out. You know, Spotify is a billion dollar company. They started out in Sweden. They making a lot of money off of these independent art. You might get a check for $10 or $15. I don't get that. My checks are usually like 2000 and above. Is that because of the other bands that you've been in then and the other music yeah, you've done throughout the years that you've got credits on? With the other people, yeah. And even they not happy. They're like, you know what, man, this is, this is bullshit. I'm like, dude, you know they ripping us off in the, in the get-go. The only legit one is Napster. Napster used to be rogue. They used to be bad, but they paid the most. It's just that people aren't using Napster. People need to 
understand that Napster and, and Tidal are the ones that actually pay the most. YouTube is at the bottom, but that's the most recognized form of media that everybody's using, but they pay the least, right? The checks from them, I'm like, are you kidding? Right, only $700? This is, this is nothing, right? Compared to what I'm getting from everybody else. But that's how it is. I mean, this business... That's great though, man. Does that mean you can kind of do it self-sustaining, your music? So yeah. it pays for itself and... I started in the government because I work for U.S. Customs and Border Protection. I'm an IT guy. I started in government the same time as I started in music. I retire in about two years. I have 39 years and four months. So people are like, well, if you did all that, why are you still in the government? Because fool, I'm never going to leave money on the table. You never leave money on the table. I'll be telling people that that money on the table is there because you left it there. You got to find ways. You got to find ways to get it. If you don't use the mind that God gave you to get your money, why are you even in this business? Because it's nothing. All it is is people trying to take what you have. That's what the record companies do. That's what these promoters do. I mean, I remember going on tour with Run DMC, and the promoter was beating them out of their money. I remember Bobby Brown said when he went on tour, you had to pay me up front because I got people that's feeding off of me. I got musicians, I got dancers, I have the sound people, everybody got to eat. So you pay me right now or else I ain't going out on tour. It's not going to happen. And they would actually pay this man. He goes, Nate, look what I got. And he have a briefcase with about $2 million on it. I'm already paid. His counterparts from New Edition they didn't get anything. They went on tour for six months and got $1. Okay, I, whoa, that's rogue, right? But this is what they do. So you have to know what you're doing in this business. If you can if you can be your own boss, if you can be your own boss and do what you have to do for yourself, you're good because you're just knocking out the middleman. See, I think a lot of artists, um, especially independent and upcoming artists, they don't know this. There's plenty of ways you can get paid off the same song. If you own BMI or ASCAP, you know, Sounds and Sound Exchange, all these music reports, all these different companies that all collect different types of royalties for you, and they all pay you from that exact same song. So you, you can get paid from like six different sources from one song. And I think people don't do that research. I'm in every one of them. There's a guy named Casey Graham. He has a website, Music Money Makeover. And he gives out some great information. And he's the guy who did the song by Jamie Foxx called Blame It on the Alcohol. He's the producer on that song. He's always having these little weekly reports on there. And I usually chit-chat with him about, about stuff. And he'd be like, yeah, Nate, man, I ran into this because he has his, he got this little side thing going on. And everybody should have a little side hustle where he's helping artists and stuff. And he puts out a lot of 
interesting interesting stuff. And sometimes I hit him up like, yeah, man, that was a good, that was a good video that you did. He's like, man, I'm just trying to help people because nobody helped me. And I'm like, that's what I'm all about, man. Nobody helped me. How I learned about the music thing, and I think this is one of the questions, what actually got me to think about music, it was my stepfather. When I was living in the projects, my stepfather was work, was, had just started working for U.S. Customs. And he would get up and he would sing. And he would sing like the Cadillacs and things like that from the 50s. And he would go, do, 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 do. All you want to do is sing. And I would come in there because I was an early bird. And they used to call me Bird in, the, in my family. And he goes, Bird, sing this part. And I go, do, 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 do. All you want to do is sing. And we'd be singing, right? So one day, he was he had all these nice vinyls. And he would say, listen to this song and listen how they're arranged. How you start from one instrument and just bring it in. And he says, listen to the melody. And I said, well, what's the melody? He said, that melody is that sound that just keeps going back or, or looping. And I said, okay. And he says, then they throw in the drum beat. Everything is on the drum beat. It's on the time. He says, but some songs don't have a drum in it. And drum machines weren't the thing back then. People were actually playing drums. So I said, okay. I said, I think I can do that. He says, then that's what you like. Then start working on it. Okay. Fast forward to 1976, 1977. My sister brought home this song, this album called Say Chic by Chic. And she used to have a component set. You remember the component set that had the, the eight-track player, eight-track tape player in it? <laughs> it had a tuner and it had a tape pop. No, man, this is well before our time. Come on, man. <laughs> but the eight tracks were actually great, except when they get worn out. So what happened, I fell asleep on the song, on the whole album. And I woke up, and there was this song called Savoir Faire by Chic. It's on that Say Chic album. And it went, it's an instrumental. And it's all violins. And it's a mixture to me of blues, classical, and jazz, because now Rogers is playing the lead guitar doing the whole thing. And Bernard is playing do 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 do. And if you ever get a chance, just Google that song, Savoir Faire by Chic on their Say Chic album. So I was listening to the arrangements. I said, man, he got everything covered in here. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get into this music thing. And I started writing. But what happened was this guy from Northern Ireland moved into our neighborhood because his father ran a company that was transferred to the United States to run a company in Baltimore. And I had moved uptown to live with my grandmother, but I would always come out to the projects on the weekends to see what my boys was up to. So it was all these Black people in front of this, this house. And this was a, a single-family home, and the projects were over here, and the single-family homes were here. And I heard this music, and it was blues. I'm like, man, somebody playing the hell out of that. And when I went through the crowd, 
It was these two Irishmen, one that was my age, about 15, and his father had to be in his, in his 30s. They were playing the hell out of some blues. So when everybody left, I said, oh, my goodness. How you, how you white boys play like that? Y'all live here? They're like, yeah. I said, damn, ain't no white people living in this neighborhood. He says, man, I know. And nobody never spoke to this guy. So I said, man, I like to hear you play. He says, man, I can play it all. He says, man, one thing about us, us, us people in the UK, we listen to a lot of black music and we play a lot of blues. So by the time we hit rock and roll, we can play some serious stuff. He says, they don't do that here. They stick with one thing and that's it. We don't do that over there. So I said, okay. And they were members of the Irish Republican Army. But I said, and they had the flags and fame and all this stuff. And, I, and they explained to me about that. Mm, okay, all right. But we not over here to blow up shit and everything. We over here to work. And so him and I came close. One day he comes home with this drum machine. He had this drum machine. He said, man, I ordered this thing. You know, me and, my, me and my dad, you know, we get to playing and everything. So, okay, he says, but I can't put the lights and me know how to operate. Well, let me look at the instructions. Oh, this is easy. So we hooked everything up and I started bringing out, bringing out some, some pads on there. He says, I like that. And he was like, and play it back. He's like, wow. And he had reel to reel. He had this, he had this pioneer reel to reel. He played it back. I said, okay, listen, turn the tape over and just even so turn it back and he played, oh, that's cool, man. So we can do an overlay on here. Yeah, you can do everything on here. So I started playing the pads and everything. I said, how about this one? He said, hold on, man. And he goes over to his drum set. He said, how about if I play on the drums and see how this? Can you duplicate what I play on the drums? Then? Yeah. So he go, and I go, hold on a second. Okay. And then start playing. So he would go, I said, ooh, what's this pad right here? And I go, ooh, I like that. Oh shit! I said, play that on the, play that on the, um, on your drums. So he played it on the drums. Well, his father came and he says, "Won't you two play and and synchronize what you guys are, are playing?" Oh, okay. Well, the father came out with a bass and he was playing, and he was playing. I'm like, man, that sounds cool. So we recorded it. I took it up the street to these guys and they were they were liking it. They like, man, I like this. This this had to be in 1981. Break dancing wasn't really a big thing in Baltimore. It, it, it just wasn't a really big thing. Popping, you know, that was a big thing in Baltimore. So they were popping off this on. They said, man, if somebody can, can, can rap off of that. So I had a bunch of people who were rapping. They they were better than run DMZ. So what happened was. I put it on a radio, on a big old boom box. They used to call them ghetto blasters. And I had this big boom box by Senyo. It had the audio input and output. 
They had the two microphones and had the cassette and everything. And I was on the mass transit and I was playing, didn't have my earphones on. And this guy was listening. He goes, you do that, Nate? I said, yeah. A friend of mine named Terrence and I, Balfour and I did this. He's like, man, I like that. And I thought he was a white dude, but he was a Jewish dude. He says, you need to talk to my friend in New York. Why do I need to talk to him? He says, he's pretty interested in using that. He says, he's a drug dealer who's trying to go legit. Uh, I don't want to mess around with drug dealers. He said, let's give him a chance. He, you know, he got a couple of acts out there. Well, the acts that he had out there was a guy called Super Rhymes, Jimmy Spicer, and Curtis Blow. Jimmy Spicer bought Curtis Blow to Russell Simmons. So Curtis Blow's real name is Curtis Walker. And he was like, uh, so when I went up there with my friend, he was like, uh, Nathaniel, we ain't signing nothing. I'm like, I know I ain't signing anything. I'm still waiting for this, this copyright to come back. Plus, I don't trust these, these guys. They already told me with their background here. Like, yeah, so you got to be street smart when you're dealing with these New Yorkers because they think they know everything. They got one mil, uh, 11 million stories, and they think they know everything. So I just sit back quietly and listen because that's what you do when you deal in business. You just sit back and listen to everything they say. And it's good. So we do now. Yes, it's good to <laughs> yeah. write it down. And you come right back at it. That's business. That's business one-on-one. Shut your mouth and listen. So what happened? As I said, man, I ain't there. He says, man, we can take this song to a, up a, a, a new level and such and such. You got a deal on me. Put that hand out. And I go, nope. I'm not shaking your hand. You might have a gentleman's agreement in this state. And a gentleman's agreement is if you shake someone's hand, it's bond. You ain't get me, you ain't get me jammed up like that. He said, you don't trust me? No, I don't trust you. I don't know you. Mm-mm. He said, well, that ain't, good. that ain't good business. I said, no, it's smart business. Anything I deal with you going to be in black and white. And that way, if something happened, I can come back. And I'm glad I did that. Because the guy who was with me, he was like, man, I, I don't understand these laws here and, and, and that you Americans have. You know, over in Ireland, you know, we make a deal and 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 that's it. We ain't gotta worry about nobody backstabbing you and everything. I said, but you're not in you're not in Northern Ireland. You're in the United States of America. It's all about money here. And people will do what they have to do to get separate you from your money. So we go back. Well, you're gonna need me. All right. I'm not really trying to shop this around. They come back and he called me when I came in with Russell Simmons. called me. He says, hey, man, we got off on the wrong thing. I said, we did, dude. If I deal with you, we're going to deal with paperwork. I'm waiting for paperwork. And when I show up with my paperwork, that means I'm ready. I'm not going to deal with you without no paperwork. You ain't jamming me up. And so I, I explained to my friend. And we used to go to the library. And I said, I want to take you to the Interprat Library in Baltimore, which is a bunch of libraries around the, around the city called Interprat. So I'm, people always knew me from reading books, going to the library. I didn't hang out on the streets because there was nothing on the streets. People that I thought was my friend showed me that, 
hey, I can do stupidity stuff and get, I ain't trying to deal with that. I'm not trying, I ain't never been arrested for nothing domestic, so why I try to do it now? So what happened was uh, I read this book called Everything You Better Know About the Record Business. It's a by, it's by a guy, a musician, may he rest in peace, by the name of Kashif. So I used to read that book. For some reason, they wouldn't let me take the book out because they said people were getting this book and they weren't returning it. So I had to use the copiers to go ahead and do this. And I had just gotten out of a bad record deal. So I wasn't trying to deal with any records companies, but I'm going to read up what I should have read up at first. So I read up on this thing and I would read the book. And then I went over to the librarian and she goes, she she knew my name, my name, Nathaniel. I said, I, that's too much to run off. Can I take it home? She said, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to let you do it. But you got to bring it back next week. Man, I was in my house, down in the basement, reading that thing, faithful, writing down stuff and whatever. This was a good book because he only did one edition. Like I said, he died last year. But he only did one edition. He should have did another one. And people are like, man, can I read that book? I'm like, what for, dude? It ain't like you're trying to do any music or anything. You trying to sell drugs, man. I you trying to do all that dumb stuff. Like I have friends who play saxophone, play guitar, play bass, play any type of brass or windwood, uh, woodwind instrument. They never followed up on it. I'm like, dude, let's get a band, man. You you play top notch, dude. Nah, man, there ain't no money in that. Really? I'm looking at Michael Jackson and his brothers on tour right now, and he's talking about he's going here, going here, going here. Don't you want to leave outside of this place? Now I'm cool living in projects. Okay, you be go ahead and do that. I see that we're going to have to, I'm going to have to go my way and you're going to have to go your way because I would try to get a bunch of musicians together and have a jam session up at my grandma's house since I moved up there. Out of 10 people, only one showed up. That was the white guy. Nobody else showed up. I was, wow, dude, I guess we're going to have to do this on our own then. I said, because I'm going through the same thing I did with the other bands, like the other bands that I was in, I had this one band, it was six of us, and it was pretty much a cover band. And the only thing I played was the clavinet and vocals. But all they did was do drugs. And I'm not talking about no weed or popping pills and stuff. I never done that stuff. They were using heroin. Like, dude, what's that you put? That's heroin, man. You should try it. No, I ain't trying that stuff, man. Everybody's doing it. Hmm. So everybody's jumping off a bridge? Everyone's jumping off a bridge? What you talking about? You know what, man? We're going to take a vote. We're going to take a vote? Yeah. We're going to vote you out. Everybody who wants to vote, Nathaniel Hardy out of the band, raise your hand. Now, there's five other people. Four raised their hand. The, the drummer, he says, I don't like him, but he does make a point. He says, well, you've been outvoted. You're out. Okay. Pick up my note, pick up my stuff, my, uh, my clavinet. I'm gone. What happened with these guys? Two of them overdosed, one in prison, 
drugs ain't going to help you do nothing. So in a lot of bands that I was in, everybody was doing drugs. And a lot of artists that, that I performed with or did session with, everybody wanted to do drugs. But you know what? You deserve what you got. You back, Wilco? You back, Paul? Yeah, I'm back. I'm all good, mate. I'm in. I'm in. Um, let's talk a bit about New Artist Spotlight then. How did you come across it and um, what's okay. your experience with it? This is this is weird. I was on this, a friend of mine told me about this site called Submit Hub. And he's like, man, I put in this thing, man, and this song should be hidden. And he got turned down. And I said, man, not everybody going to like your music. And a lot of these are creators, they're, they don't know anything about music. They just getting paid and some of them not doing their job. So as I was in this room, this guy asked me, hey, would you like to come to my site or something like that? And there, and he was on Instagram, okay? So I went there and I was listening to his tracks and you know, you had to, you had to show that you were, that you were streaming and everything. And I saw him and Ed in the conversation. And Ed and I said, hey, I was talking to Ed. And he says, yeah, I got a, I got a, my own channel also. Would you like to come to mine? And I came to his, so I was doing Dawes and his. And Dawes was on his, and he was on Dawes. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, all right. So then... They were talking about moving to Discord. I like Discord. What is what is that? And so when Sovereign was he was running the show, I was one of the one of the people that was the test people, crash test dummies when they had it. There was a couple of other people on there, and I was one. I know Plummy was one of them, and we were on. You know, I said, like let us know, and we'll put you in and everything. And I like how they did it. I like the concept of how Ed was just trying to help people who who had the music. We have some we have some great artists on New Artist Spotlight. Some great artists. I mean Jeff, Jeff JHM. I just got one of his songs on the radio today. That's the end of the day. Passed it on to to Ed and I said I sent them the email. And like I say, you got to follow up on these people. You got to keep following up. A lot of times they just kick you to the door. But my thing is, I'm trying to pay it for it because I made I made some money uh, to buy me the things that I wanted in in music, and I just want to help other people who who are out there trying to whether I can get them on the radio or point them to go here and. and and try this, try that, things like that. Uh, Jaquan, no. Jaquan, no. He's ready for action. I told him, I said, dude, I'm going to get that boy on the radio. I'm going to get that ready. And see, a lot of people don't understand. Somewhere in the world, someone is playing your music. You ain't got to be one of these A-list artists. As many times when I was in the Navy, I would hear someone playing music that I had something to do with, and they didn't have a license for it. They would just put a tape in there and they'd play it, but they don't know when you're serving people, when you're when people are paying to come into your place of business, you have to be licensed to play that music. 
a lot of times I wrote down, okay, at this time, let me contact BMI. I was at BMI at first, and I switched over to ASCAP. Let me contact them. And they go back, right? And they go back and serve these people. You've been fine because they wouldn't just be playing my music. They be playing other people's music. Like my stepson is a DJ up in Canada. And he says, man, we got to pay $25 to Soul Can. I say, yeah, you should. My wife's like, what's Soul Can? I say, that's their version of ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, and PRS. That's for the artists. They playing this. Artists should be paid when you're playing music and you're charging people. Might not be much, but it's something. The people during COVID, there was a lot of people, a lot of artists that went broke because they weren't able to perform. Those checks were slow coming in. Okay, those checks were slow, and they were literally starving. You have to get paid. You have to, you have to pay them. But I like- yeah, it's interesting you talk about artists because you mentioned that earlier on as well, and I've seen a few artists who. Um, sort of start up and then they've spent two grand on like an all singing, all dancing video, loads of money on like recording and everything. And then before they know it, they can't actually release anything because they've they've spent up and they're still paying off debt from from what they've... I think it's really important just to keep your costs down, isn't it? Live within your means. A lot of times, like I say, you can do this, you can do this by yourself or you can barter with somebody, somebody who's just starting out. Like, I got a friend, he has this, this company here called Bass Runner. And the song that I had, I had a song called Mind Going Crazy. And it's gotten a lot of play down here in Atlanta because he's from Atlanta. And the thing about it, someone heard that song and say, who's the producer on that song? And he was the producer. He came over my house and we were just sitting in my, in my uh, studio and he just came up with the melody. And I said, man, I can write some lyrics to that. And bam, he mixed it and mastered it, but gave back to me and said, oh, you need to change this, did that, recorded some parts over it. And someone caught wind of that. The radio, one of the radio stations I took it to didn't like it. But what was weird about it, someone, uh, it's this, this girl, she's on Disney. This little girl is on Disney. It's two black girls. I can't remember their name, but they're on Disney. And they got over 3 million YouTube followers or whatever. He just did a song for her that Disney is, is pushing out. they like, hey, we want you uh, to do another song or whatever. And he says, Nate, man, I want you to, you know, to help me out. He's about 32 years old. He's like my son. And... I said, okay, because I'm showing him how to do this record business thing, how to keep your paperwork first. And I told him, don't, you keep putting out these songs, you keep recording all these songs and stuff, like, but they ain't going nowhere because you ain't got a copyright. You stop copywriting the music and stop doing dumb shit like, yo man, him a new track on Instagram. <laughs> Why are you doing that? All you need is someone who's good at looping and they can take your song and they can take it, add their verses to it. And you've got, it. stop doing that. That doesn't make sense. You, you haven't even copyrighted. So I don't know. 
But that's what people do. That's why I tell people, you know, you don't have to pay all this extreme to do this. That's why I like about how Ed has it, where he has the producers, you know, collaboration. I don't do a lot of collabs. I, I, I don't. I ran into some problems with, with people's record companies, record companies that don't want to pay and need be big companies and stuff like that. Like I had Michael Jackson's old record company, his old publishing company contact me and said that they own a song of mine. I've never done any business with you. How you own anything? So we going back and forth. I'm sending emails and they come back. So I got in touch with the head guy of ATV, Sony ATV Publishing Worldwide. Mr. Hardy, because he had to send this to Spotify. Mr. Hardy, we're going to clear this just like that. Oh, whatever he said, Spotify was like, okay, we'll take it. It's done. So I got him on my list and I sent him back. Hey, thank you, such and such. He says, I'm known all over the world for publishing and such and such. I said, isn't this Michael Jackson's old publishing company? Yeah, but Sony owns it now, right? Sony owns, I think, 50 or 60%, and then the Jackson family owns portions of it. And this, you know, off because he made bad financial mistakes. And so you have to you have to be sensible not to be spending all your money on stuff that you could do yourself. Gotta be, you gotta make sure you have those split sheets, those those public uh, publications, uh, publishers, split sheets. Who did what, what I did, what you did, because in the end, you never know. Someone might need, want to make them use your, someone might want to pay you for sync royalties for movies and television stuff. Right now, the weirdest thing I ever did, I sent out my tracks to everybody. Yeah, we don't like it. We don't like it. Yeah, I love it. Great. No problem. A lot of times you don't even know that people use your music until you get a statement from ASCAP. I get these statements from ASCAP. I got something going on in South Africa right now, and they're using my music for a kid's show. So you never know. And like I was telling Ed, a lot of radio stations said, we ain't going to get back to you because we got too many people that send the music in. Right. And this was done without going through anybody. You can you can you can do this stuff. A lot of people don't want to do it because it's time consuming. It is really time consuming getting in touch with these radio stations. And like I said, I'm working for you guys. You if you want me to pitch your stuff, I can pitch stuff. Sometimes it's yay, yeah, I like it. Sometimes it's me. Okay. How about this artist? Oh yeah, I like this one. Because this all depends on what they really like. They ain't gonna play music that they don't like. They gonna play what they like. Like I gave, I gave one of the artists uh, was it August or something like that? August? I can't think of his name. Organist. Organist. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And I always wondered. Yeah. That's what I, I say, call him anyway. Yeah. Who knows? I say, listen. I sent him. I said, this is what this art with this music director told me are the hot. Bands. And I'm just telling you what she told me. 
we if if you don't sound like this, you pretty much ain't gonna get it paid. Because see, nobody wants no one, they don't want anyone who's original. They want you to sound like someone. How retarded is that? I've struggled with that before as well, because I feel like uh, the they kind of want you to say, Yes, I am like the Baltimore Mariah Carey. (laughs) They want to they want to be able to describe you as the XY. Yes. Yes, and I had a I had a, a friend, and this friend that went back, my friend went back to Ireland, and he ended up doing some stuff with uh, YouTube, uh, doing some production stuff with YouTube, Bono, and everything, and, and he loves it. And he says, "Man, when people slip him disc or something like that, he listened to it. He says, I never tell them you should sound like this. Come up with your own style. Oh man, I sound like you too." Listen, dude, we got enough people sounding like you, too. Try to get that niche where you sound like yourself. Like I say, Jaquan, man, your stuff is fire. Because Thank you. Because you sound like you. You ain't trying to be like everybody else. You got everybody trying to act like Ice Cube. You got everybody trying to sound like Dre, uh, uh, Drake. You got people trying to act like uh, uh, Kendrick. Right, nobody trying to be themselves, and that's what the record company wants you to do. They want you to sound like everybody else. I don't want to sound like I want to sound like me. So it's better to be independent, to be under a contract artist. At least you know you can own you. Yeah, because when because when they own you, they're gonna let you know. They're gonna let you know the checks gonna stop. And they get ticked off at you. They'll stop the checks. You got to go to court, get your money. No, I'll tell you straight up. They understood. So I got to ask, with everything that you you got going on, all these different um, ways to get your music out there, and like you just showed us that list of all these places getting played, um, what are you hoping to achieve uh, with your music? And do you have any long-term goals, or are you just trying to enjoy it? I'm just enjoying it, man, because I worked with everybody who I wanted to work with. My goal when I first started out, I wanted to work with Seek because at that time, they were the number one performing R&B band. They, people call them disco, but they were actually a, a R&B band. And from Seek, a lot of productions came out. I mean, now Rogers. He had 55 songs on the chart at the same time from different groups. NXS, Peter Gabriel, Madonna, and the list goes on. ABC and all these other, all these other bands. And he was named producer of the world by his peers because he had 55 songs. And they did... 48 songs in six months. Out of those 48 songs, I was on 10 of them. And he said, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. The reason why you're here is because we chose you. You the one that showed up at the Apollo and auditioned to be with Sheik. I was 15 years old. An A&R guy from Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Records heard me playing. I was His cousin was my best friend. Rest in peace. What was, it, what was it that you did on those records? I did vocals. I did keyboards. 
a lot of times I did vocals, a lot of times I did keyboards because he says, man, I like your voice, man. I like your voice. It's different than everybody else. Everybody went, oh, no, I didn't do all that. And then a lot of times I would be in the studio with Luther Vandross and nobody called him Luther. They called him Ronnie because his middle name was Ronzella, Ronzel, after some macaroni thing he told me. And so everybody called him Ronnie and I would ask questions. Hey man, what did you do to do this? Oh, I used to I used to sing on Sesame Street. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now came the next year. He played in the Sesame Street band. And then he says, then I I got uh with David Bowie, and we were the all-Americans. And remember, that's an all young Americans. We are the young up. That's Luther Vandross. David Bowie, he said, David Bowie's like, who's that guy right there? His name is Luther Vandross. And Luther said, oh, no, nah, you should sing it like this. You can't talk to him like that. No, I like that. I want you, 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 you will be my backup singers. And that's how he got it. So I would be in the studio asking, how did you do this? Because nobody else would tell you what their secret was. The only ones who ever told me what their secret was, was Nile Rogers, the late Bernard Edwards, and the late Luther Vandross. Ask me anything. Ask me anything about the music, and I'll tell you what to do and what not to do. Work, work for me might not work for you, but pretty much what work for me will work for you if you do this the correct way. All right, and I'll just be writing this stuff down, listening to them, write this stuff down. You always got to hang out with like-minded people. If they like music and you like music, you should be getting it back. If yeah, you like right, man. It's important as well, I think. And um, so that leads us on nicely, I think. With uh, you, you've worked with some amazing musicians and stuff, and obviously Baltimore is very important to you as well. So we're going to play your song today called "Moonlight in Baltimore." Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Okay, the name of the song is called "Moonlight in Baltimore." It was written about two, the year 2016. It's about how I love being around, but down by the harbor, and how I like spend my time when I used to live in Baltimore. I always was down by the harbor doing all kinds of festivals. And uh, sometime I was doing, we would perform down at the harbor. Because like I said, that that was a stadium down there, a football stadium. And a lot they had a lot of festivals down there in the city we had. And so that was a good time for me, my teenage years. I like I said, I enjoyed my teenage years in Baltimore. And that was something, that was my homage that I'm paying to Baltimore, Moonlight in Baltimore. Moonlight in Baltimore Spending time with you Moonlight in Baltimore Such a lovely view Moonlight in Baltimore Such a lovely day Moonlight in Baltimore Don't you ever go away Do 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 do
in Baltimore, spending time with you. Moonlight in Baltimore, such a lovely view. Moonlight in Baltimore, twas a lovely day. Moonlight in Baltimore, don't you ever go away. Do 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 do. Spending time with you. Do 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 do. Such a lovely view. Do 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 do. Twas a lovely day. Do 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 do. Don't you ever go away. Thanks for letting us play that song, um, Moonlight in Baltimore. One of it's a Nathaniel S. Hardy classic right there. Um, you know, your enjoyment of music is clear. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the emotions that music brings for you. Man, music to me is like it's like a bridge. It, it bridge. Music should have no racial boundaries or anything. I mean, music can make you feel happy, it can make you feel sad, it can bring, it can bring a, a, a moment of sorrow, a moment of happiness, but I use music as happiness. My favorite type of music actually is jazz. Jazz and, and rock are my favorite types of music, then there's R&B, and then there's alternative, and then there's rap. And like I said, I got to work with a lot of people in different genres of music. And when you listen to like their music or sometimes they would come up with something and they would play it and then it's on the radio and you'd be like, wow, I was there when he just came up with that idea. Now it's, it's on the radio and you can see how people like, Hey, listen to this and somebody, and you can see how their eyes look like when they, when they like it. Or if they didn't like it, they'd be like, mm, mm, you know, maybe you ought to do this or do this. And sometimes the artist would listen to them, and sometimes the artist won't, won't listen to them. But to me, music is just will brighten up my day. Even if I'm sad about something, if you listen to the right track, it can pump you up. It can be a start. Like I, I, I keep I keep beating a dead horse with this, but <laughs> that song. When I use that song, Ready for Action, a lot of times when, I, when, when I'm getting up in the morning, I'm taking a shower, and I, put, I, go, um, I go, Alexa, play Ready for Action. <laughs> and I'll be, in there, and I'll be here, and I'll say, hey, I'm hyped up there. I'm hyped up. Right? And I'm like, man, this song right here has a lot of potential to go places, man. I got to do something you know, with this. So music... Can, can hype you up. Music can make you feel good, you know. And like, it took us 46 hours to drive to Canada. Hurricane Ida followed us all the way up the coast. And it usually takes us 32 hours. And I did most of the driving nonstop. I probably had about, about an hour and a half of sleep. My wife and I, she would drive through Maine and to Canada and everything. And so listening to different types of music, country music, which she likes, uh, rock, which I like, some R&B, 
And it all depends on where you're at in the United States, what you're going to hear. You're up in Maine, you're going to hear the country. You in the New York, New Jersey area or Boston area, you may hear some rap. And in other places, you straighten up going to hear country because country rules in those in those rural areas. And so it's like, okay, yeah, listen to this, you know. And it just music is it's just something that I always like. Always like. You don't even know the words sometimes, and you're just humming it, and if you get that. Yeah, it's infectious, it. isn't it? Like it gets, yeah. gets under your skin and makes you feel things that other things can't, yeah. I think. Um, hook, if you get that hook that's, that's in your yeah. mind and just keep going. It over. keeps me awake at night every night. I what some sort of song just repeating always, over and over I've, again. I've always wanted to have a song where there was a hook that someone would remember. And that's what I was telling Neil Conway when he wrote, when he and Crystal Waters wrote the song Gypsy Woman, because they had wrote the song before I even came there. And I said, you want something that everybody's going to remember, even if they don't know the words. And I said, if you play this, if you add this onto it, believe me, they're going to listen. She didn't like it. She didn't like it. She brought her two friends in and listen to two versions, the before and the after, and the friends told her, girl, if you don't play, if you don't use this track, you're going to be a has-been because I don't even know the words of the song, but la-da-dee, da-da-da, I'm going to remember that with the melody uh, and the beat of the music. And she's like, y'all are supposed to be my friends. We are your friends. We're telling you what you need to do. And she did. And like I say, when I walked Amazing. in there, she said, this guy made me a lot of money. I didn't like him at first, but did you get the check? I said, oh, yes, I got the check. <laughs> and, and, and the guys, she brought me up on stage and she says, I can see that those people right there must know you. I said, yeah, how do you know? She said, because their mouth was like this. And these were people who were trying to get in the business. They never wanted to listen to anything that I told them. So after that, they were like, oh, man, show me how to, tell me what. Ding, school was closed. You weren't trying to hear me then. So I'm done, right? I heard all the crazy stuff you said about me behind my back. I'm done. I'm not giving you no more tidbits. I told you what you need to do if you wanted to get in the business and stuff. And a lot of people do those um, open mics. That's a waste. Open mics down here, they already, you got to pay for an open mic. Why are you going to pay for an open mic? Open mic is supposed to, okay, you step up on the stage, you play, you, you do what you do, you walk off. These mugs want you to pay. I tell these guys, you better not be paying for no damn open mic, man. That's, that's retarded. So do you, uh, do you perform live a lot? I was, I was, I was, I think the last time I performed live was actually in 2015, about early 2015. Now what I do is I try to help other people perform live. Like they had a couple of artists down here in 2015 and I had backstage passes. And I think it was, I think it was George Clinton. He was back there, and he's like, hey, I, I saw you somewhere. Where did I know you? I'm like, yeah, we went up to Detroit when you were doing the Atomic Dog thing. He's like, oh, yeah. 
he remember me, but he don't remember me because he was always so high up and whatever because Atomic Dog was recorded in Detroit. And, you know, it's like, you know what? He says, I know I should know you. Yeah, you should know me. And, and someone had told me, and I never wanted to work with him, but someone had coached me to come to Detroit to the studio and Bernie Warrell, that's who it was, the keyboardist. He was like, hey, you need to come up here, man, and such and such. You can do some backing tracks and everything because he was the keyboard player. And, and then they had this guy who actually what he did is he took a tape and he played it backwards. He's going, took the tape, and then the guy came, know what I did? They had me to hold this guy up when he came in drunk. He came in drunk, all high up. And I said, well, what am I here for? He said, well, he was in background and work. Okay. So when he came in, he was all messed up and everything. And we had to hold this guy up while he was singing. He was singing freestyle. He was admin. So they had a publicist who was writing this, trying to write this down. This white girl was trying to write this down, what he was saying, right? She's like, what is he saying? I don't know. You're going to have to track back. Right. And, and when he came in the next day and he listened to her, he says, I did that. So when he saw me down here in Atlanta at one of the things that he was doing with the, the P-Funk All-Stars, he's like, I know you from somewhere. And when I told him, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. He's one that lost a lot of money. He lost a lot of money yeah. because always so high and he signed off a lot of his rights. That's why you got your mind got to be free. Your mind got to be right when you're dealing with paperwork because these mugs will get you to sign all kind of stuff. I couldn't agree more, man. That's a, that's a good lesson. Um, I'm just wondering, um, so like apart from sitting collecting the uh, royalty checks, what's, what's next on the horizon for uh, Nathaniel Hardy project? I got some more music, but like I said, I... I'm still putting my stuff back together because I'm 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 changing out equipment. I want to get one of these uh, Apollos. I want to get one of these Apollos. Or you ever use an Apollo? Apollos are nice. No. Apollo Duo. The Apollos are nice, and I want to get an Apollo. I have an interface, big interface, on my equipment here. But I want to get this Apollo. So what I'm doing, I'm changing out stuff. I'm changing out my monitors, changing out my interfaces, changing out mics and stuff like that. Put them on eBay and sell them. So I would just want to change things out. And I got the music. It's just when I'm going to record it or not. I haven't recorded anything in a while. So it'll probably be a while before I record something out. So right now, what I'm doing is... Uh, in my time, I'm trying to push people's music to the radio stations because that's what I'm doing for the new artist spotlight. I'm that guy that's doing the terrestrial terrestrial radio satellite uh, promotion. So people have something, and I listen to it and everything. Because there's a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of people who have talent. There's a lot of people who have, who have talent. And like I say, J.H.M., his stuff just got picked up today. 
and I've been pushing that for a, a, a long time. Like I say, these these program directors and music directors, they tell you, yeah, we take submissions, send it in. And I usually give them a two week, two weeks before I follow up on it. And a lot of times when I follow up on them, they don't respond. Then I call them, I respond. One song was by Elijah Matthew, uh, um, Melody. Um, Elian Melody. Elian Melody. My bad. Elian. Yes. Mm -hmm. My bad, Elijah. Um, so he had a song called Tonight. That was the name of the song. I pushed this song. And the music director came back and she says, I like the song, but I'll never play it. Okay. I got on the phone. I want you to play it. She goes, because it reminds me of I broke up with my boyfriend. And every time I hear that song, when you took me that song, I hear it, it reminds me, so I won't play it. So your personal feelings gets in the way of another artist's song. I said, you're crazy. She says, why do you say that? I said, because this is what songs do. They make you happy. They make you sad. Don't take it personal. That song wasn't even playing when you broke up, right? So you're not going to play the song. No, I'm not going to play your song. I say, you should not be doing your job. They need to fire you. They need to get rid of you. Because, see, me, once I know that they're going to give me some stupid reason why they're not going to play the song, then I go off on it. I burn my bridges with you, fool, because you're a damn, you're a damn fool. Well, Mr. Hardy, you know, that's how, no, your reason was not a good reason because your boyfriend broke up with you. Your reason should have been, this doesn't fit our format. This is not the type of music we want. I could go with that, even though you all do that, or you all say that, but your reason was just per stupidity. It did not make any sense. Had nothing to do with Ilian Melody's song. His song wasn't playing when you when he kicked you to the curb. Because I know he kicked you to the curb, but you're just straight or stupid. All right. Okay. We're not going to get any done here. <laughs> Goodbye. And I hung up. Right. And I told Ed, I said, this, and I sent Ed a message, this fool. Said she don't want to play this song because it reminds her of a breakup of her boyfriend and she won't play it. Well, shit, that's why you want to play it. You know, you got a song, you got a song like 10, T 10 CC. I'm not in love, don't forget it. That's the ultimate breakup song. Okay, but it's still being played on the radio. It doesn't make sense. So I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm pushing these songs out. And a lot of times they're like, no, this doesn't fit our format. We are alt rock, okay? Alt rock. And I'll, I'll look it up on Google, on Wikipedia, what alt rock, okay? Click, click, who are alt rock singers? Because I want to see what they're talking about. Who these songs, who falls under alt rock? Well, he sounds like alt rock, like Rod Fritz. He's, he sounds like alt rock. Yeah, I like the song, but 
Let me have somebody else listen to it. What, you can't make a decision? This is what we got. We got people that don't know how to make command decisions. I was in the military. A lot of times you had to make command decisions. You can't wait for somebody else. You can't make a command decision. I got to get, we got to vote on this. Well, you told me you were the person to do this. I used to work at the radio station. The music, the program director is over the music director. And a lot of times he passed it on to you so you can make the decision, okay? Make a decision. And a lot of times I got to keep coming back and back and back like this one that for JHM, I had to keep coming back and back and back. Hey, what, up, what about those songs I sent you? Oh, yeah, she just sent it today. So that's how it works. You, it's not one of those you take back in the day. You, you could take a song down to the radio station and, and the DJ listened to it and he liked it. He played it right then. It's not like that today. Cox Broadcasting, clear, clear, clear. Um, there's Cox Broadcasting. There's iHeart Broadcasting. There's Clearwater uh yeah, Clearwater Broadcasting, all these big stations here, it's all about the numbers and they go about what's trending. What's trending? That doesn't make sense. Everything is different. This, this music thing goes back. One minute you're in, one minute you're out. If you don't cut a release within two years, your so-called fans forgot about you and they didn't move on. So, these different stations, they have their, everywhere, everybody is different. You might have someone to say the DJ can do it, but the DJs don't really have any power, no matter who. This is this is such and such for hot, for, for hot 95, such and such. You got no juice, dude. You looking at a program schedule. This is what you will play because the, the record company paid for this. If they don't receive that record company money, and you're an independent artist trying to get in there, it's very tough. Some will do it. Some, and like I said, I had a couple of that did do it for me when I was starting out because they had, you know, they took a chance or whatever. It ain't like that today. It's all corporate. So if you want to, if you want to get out there, I say anybody should not try to sound like anyone else. Just be yourself. When you start sounding like anyone, everybody else, all they're going to do is tell you on the interview, you sound like such and such. Was he your favorite such and such? And you'd be like, no, he ain't my favorite. I'm trying to sound like him. But that's what they do. They put you in the box. They label you. So you try to be yourself. That's all I can say. Be yourself. Don't try to sound like everybody else. Just be yourself. Like That's I good said, advice, man. Good advice. Um, so where can the listeners find yourself on social media? Ah, <laughs> I like that. Like Smooth me. transition. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at the Nathaniel Hardy Project. That's that's the underscore Nathaniel underscore Hardy underscore project Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. I don't I don't do Facebook. I used to have a Facebook. I kicked that thing to the curb. And then you can find me, you can find me on, on Twitter under Nathaniel S. Hard One. And that's on my Twitter. And you can find me on YouTube 
you can find me on that's that's Google the Nathaniel Hardy Project, and that's why I'm that's why I'm I'm usually at there and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's pretty much. Like I said, I got a lot of stuff that I've already written. I just haven't recorded it because I'm doing other things right now, and then I'm trying to do this spotlight. I'm trying to promote a bunch of artists here. Right. If you have some, if you have some material, you know, just just send it to me. Just send it to me at uh, at my email, nshardyjr at comcast.net. I listen to everything. I, I'm I'm not like those I'm not like those rec, those record execs. You give them a tape and they throw it in the trash can. You go back in and you see that they didn't throw your stuff in the trash can because that had happened to me. So I don't. I listen to everything. Well, I definitely got something to send you uh, with the project coming up in like a couple, like less than two weeks at this point. All right. Are you still? Are you still working with that guy, City? Y'all still doing collabs? First song on the project. That's good, man. Y'all, you guys got a good thing going, man. Keep that. Keep that partnership going, man. No, oh, yeah, we're gonna do what we can. You know, we're not not near each other anymore, right. but we on we can always be locked in. Right, right, right. Hey Paul, man, you gotta send me some stuff too, man. Yeah, I'll send some do you want pre-released stuff or do you want new stuff? Yeah, you know what? A lot of people send me their pre-release. They don't share it with nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna share your stuff. You tell me not to share it, I ain't gonna share it. I listen, I, I listen to you stuff and I come right back and bing. I like that. Or I'll tell you, hey, yeah, you should do this or whatever. Then that's up on you what you do. But but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll send you the email, mate. Yeah, that's 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 good. Yeah, I got something that you might be able to to get some places. I think okay. I think I'm pushing it as the the single, even though it's not the single. I don't know. It's it's one of the ones that was I regret not being able to get the music video done for it before I had to move. Um, I like it. You might like it. I know somebody will like it. I, even my parents like this one. So um, I'm excited to I'm excited to uh, send it. And like I said, it comes out in a couple of weeks. So All if right. you can put some yeah. pre-release work in, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem, man. I'd like, you know, I've, I had some good experiences with helping people get their stuff on the radio and, and things like that. So yeah, it, it like I say, it takes a it takes a lot, and you have to be patient. You have to put up with a lot of stupidity from these program managers and music director directors because they know you need them. They know you want to be on their station and whatever, and so you know. We'll we'll get it out there. We'll get it out there. Like I told you, we'll get it. It takes it takes a lot of uh, a lot of work, but we'll we'll get it done. Yeah, most definitely. And talking to you has been great. This is our first time seeing each other. We had that one phone call that one time, and I was at work, and I was like, "Who's the, who?" Let me tell you this, Paul. I yeah, I want to hear it. I called to tell Shaquan, "Hey man, I got your song." Ready for action on radio. Yeah. And I'm thinking, dang, he ain't happy. Yeah, they're going to be playing it on Friday, such and such. Okay. 
Like, he said what? give us a wine dip or something. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what? You mean I went up? And then my mind, I'm thinking, I didn't went out for this brother to put the song in this Yeah. But then he, then, he, then he hit me back later on Discord and told me, oh, I was at work, man, and I didn't want to get real excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every everything is all it's it's open. You feel me? So like it's it's COVID, so it's like a gap between the desks. But basically, it's me, somebody right here, somebody right here, somebody right there. So like you know, I can only yeah. do so much without it seeming like what do you got going on over there? So I'm just trying to keep it low key. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay. And because when the number came through, it said Atlanta. I'm thinking it's my cousin. My cousin, he called me and. Uh-huh. This how this how you pick up the phone. Oh, he called me. I answered the phone. He's what's up? We just go back and forth doing that for like thirty seconds, just going back. So I'm like, all right, let me. I'm already in. Let's try to make this as as low key. Right, right, right. That that was funny though, man. Because it's like, and then thank you for posting that on Instagram because it was weird because I just happened to log into Instagram and your thing popped right up. And he goes, here you go. I'm ready for action. And I say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. And I'm like, yeah. Right? He had it on there. It's in the Nate uh, Hardy project. And he said, there you go. And he kept panning in. There you go. <laughs> I said, man. That was my first time. Yeah. That was, that was good, man. That was, that was good, man. So, yeah, definitely. And that. That show is worldwide. That show is worldwide. People all over the world on that on that stuff. I got. I think yours, uh, Elijah, and Charles. I think it was it was Charles also because I said I I like that song uh, "Never Say Goodbye" because that's that's true pop song like that. And I like man, I I can push that one. And I got people that say they like it. But they hard to get in, hard to get in touch with. So I got to keep working on that one as as well. But yeah, man. I mean, that's what I'm saying. One station, a lot of stuff started here in Atlanta. A lot of songs became famous here in Atlanta, and then they hit other places. Like I'm gonna give you a few. Kung Fu fighting. Everybody loves Kung Fu. That came here in Atlanta. They played the B side. They played the A side. The guy flipped it over and played the B side. Boom! Went up to number one. Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby. Quick to the the point, to the point, no faking. I go crazy when I hit a cymbal in a hi hat with a souped up tempo. I'm on the road, sound to go solo, rolling. Hit my 5.0, right? Somewhere. I think my every time that song comes on and I don't sing it, my wife is like, You're not gonna, you're not, you're not gonna sing the song. Right, right. So they played the A side. Guy said, What's on the B side? Flipped it over. Bam. Ice Ice Baby. That's Q-Dog stuff. I know that because my brother is a Q. And that was their, 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 their little stomping thing. Ice Ice Baby. So a lot of songs, more than that, have started off in Atlanta. And that's why I'm trying to, that's why I'm trying to push. Because Atlanta, there's a, there's a big spectrum here. Alt-rock, because you got, play, you got 
people like uh, uh, R.E.M. that was famous back in the day. You got all the rappers down here, Ludacris, everybody. And you have country. Country is big down here. Uh, I got a country. I got a country guy that lives about five miles from. Me. And I, damn, I can't think of his name. But we go past my wife. Like he he lives there. Like yeah. And I was at I was at a family dollar, and he walked in. Uh, there's such and such, and everybody ran. Shoot. And he gave out the autographs and everything. Say, yeah, I got, I got to go. I'm here to go shopping, right? Things like that. So this is a big melting pot for music here in Atlanta. So that's why I'm trying to push different things, some of these Atlanta stations. But it's amazing, man. It's good the work that you're doing for for other artists and and repping other other artists and you know. Yeah, um... I can't say I'm just I'm just trying to pay for it. You know, I had I had I had fun, you know, doing the tours. I had fun writing music, sitting in studios, and a lot of stuff happened in the studios. People get their ass whipped in studios. People people meet people and fall in love in studios. People get told that they don't have any type of talent in studios. Artists get told that you ain't you ain't you ain't about nothing in studios. <laughs> yeah, I mean you hear a lot of stuff in the studio. So you know, I I enjoy it. I I, I just enjoy it, and this and I think like this: if everybody, if every parent had got, especially their their sons, got them into music, just set them up with a computer and a keyboard and some speakers, their children would not be out on the street. Because I'm gonna tell you, this will keep you off the streets. On your friends out there doing all that knucklehead stuff, you being here making making beats and 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 doing stuff, and then once you figure out, okay, how how to to arrange music, because I took up music theory when I was in college, and and in high school, and once you find out those arrangements and how to build up on them, you'd be like, wow, I could do this, and especially when people start liking your music. Like I had a following way before there was Twitter and Facebook and everything. Once people found out that I was one of the masterminds behind Run DMC, they were like, whoa, I didn't know you did that. And then sometimes it would they'd be doing interviews with Joseph Simmons and he would mention my name. They'd be like, damn. And he'd, oh yeah, this guy, this captain Baltimore by the name of Nathaniel Hardy, you know, he bought this tape and such and such. They were like, whoa, really? And, hey, man, I heard such and such. Yeah, that's me. All right? Ain't too many Nathaniels. I've only met, other than myself, I only met my father's name, Nathaniel, my son's name, Nathaniel. Other than those, I've only met two people who had a name, Nathaniel. That was the guy I sold my house to, my last house, and someone I went to school with when I was little. And I did another one. Other than that, they were Nathans. Nathans are people who haven't grown up yet to be Nathaniel. <laughs> I got a friend named Nathan, then a friend named Nathaniel, so I don't know how, how they're going to go with that one. Look, they missed three letters. <laughs> so they haven't grown up yet. So when they get to grow up, they become Nathaniel. They, that's how it goes. But yeah, but I haven't met anybody you know, to me. And when I was over in England, the English women were like, what's your name? My name is Nathaniel. Nathaniel. 
Not Nathan? No, Nathaniel. I like that name. What does it mean? It's Hebrew. It means God's gift, gift from God. They go, oh, you're so silly. <laughs> but yes, but you know. Love it, man. Well, uh, we're running out of time, so I think it's about time to say goodnight, everybody. Um, thank you to everyone at home for listening. You, you can finish it, Origin. You can say the real goodbye. Uh, you know thanks to everybody at home thanks to the nas community the mods the partners and everybody that tunes in and supports each week um we'll see you next time peace out